today on CityCast Philly. It's the Friday News Roundup. We're talking about the temporary lanes on I-95 a week after they've reopened, why the conservative group Moms for Liberty is coming to Philly this weekend, and some alternative walking tours in the city that explore more than just colonial history. It's Friday, June 30th. I'm Trinae Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Joining me this week is Thomas Fitzgerald, transportation reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Hey, Tom. Hey, Trinae. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Good morning. It's Friday. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and Mayor Rindy, investigative reporter at Billy Penn. Hey, Mayor. Hey, Trinae. How's it going? Good. So, so guys, yesterday on the show, the CityCast Philly team and I, we chatted about the ways we're going to celebrate or that folks can celebrate July 4th in the city. So I'm wondering, do you have big plans for the 4th this year? I don't really. I'll probably just enjoy the time off and barbecue. Isn't that boring? I mean, you no, know, like, it's good. <laughs> we did talk about barbecue on the show. <laughs> I don't really feel like uh, jostling with everybody to see fireworks, although I like fireworks. But, you know, That's they'll real. be on TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> But it's not, it's it's kind of not the same, That's but I, I, I it's, understand it's your sentiment of just kind of wanting to be away from the crowds. I, I do understand that. Maybe I'll read the declaration. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> not out loud, but. <laughs> May I have all for you? Yeah, every year we're like, oh, it's July 4th. We forgot to plan anything. Let's, <laughs> run, out and, let's run out and buy some corn on the cob. Um, but uh, yeah. usually we... We barbecue in our backyard, and sometimes we go see the fireworks. Sometimes we watch them from our, you know, third floor windows. Um, but it's a nice, relaxing weekend, or or this day. I guess it's uh, this time. I guess it's midweek. It's so on we, a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of funny. It's a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, uh, I think I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to make it to the Parkway. I just I want to see the fireworks. I want to get out. It's been some years since I've been. Um, at that concert celebration. So I'm going to try, fingers crossed. Um, but Mayor, you also wrote about some alternative walking tours happening down in Old City. Um, can you tell us about some of those? Yeah, yeah. We um, Billy Penn um, is doing a pop-up newsletter about July 4th activities, which people can still sign up for at the Billy Penn website. And uh, we're pointing people toward, you know, a lot of traditional July 4th patriotic activities. But um, we thought you know, let's look at some of these um, alternative activities you can do related to history. And we found all these cool walking tours in mostly around Center City, but also in some other neighborhoods, South Philly, North Philly, West Philly, that um, focus on other diverse communities. There are certainly some put on about African-American history and and significant people in Philadelphia history, and also uh, in the gay community and, and that long history the Jewish community up on uh, North Broad Street and some other areas. And uh, there's there's an interesting one focusing on the history of South Asians in Philadelphia, um, yes. which um, is happening. It's actually happening a little later this year. But um, and there's and there's one in Chinatown. So there's all kinds of opportunities to to walk around and, and learn about those histories that maybe don't get so much attention, usually from tourists and, and from locals. I love that. Yeah, we talked to the group from South Asian American Digital Archive about their walking tour here in the city. And folks can listen to our episode in our feed. 
All right, let's get into some top news stories this week. Uh, Mayor, I want to talk about your story about the Moms for Liberty Summit that's happening this week in the city. First, who is this group and why are they in the city this week? Yeah, it's interesting. They're not the kind of group you associate with Philly because they're Republicans and they're um, a little different from the the sort of dominant uh, political uh, movements here in this area. But they're a group that started in Florida a couple of years ago. Um, moms who were running for school boards or wanted or who had uh, strong feelings about about how their kids' schools were operating. And their their big issue initially was pandemic restrictions and and wearing masks and and all those hot button issues. But they they quickly expanded to focus on a whole bunch of what they call parental rights issues, like what kind of books kids are seeing in schools is a big one. And uh, okay, like book bands. Okay. Got yeah. It. So, and they got to be known for book bands and that's, uh, or for pushing for book bands and up in central Bucks district, just North of Philly, they've been highly active. They basically were involved in a conservative takeover of the, of the school board. And there have been a couple books banned up there. So, but they're active across the country and, They've started holding national summits every year. And for their second summit, they decided to do it in Philadelphia. They said because the city's history provides a thematic backdrop for the group's focus on, quote, preserving American values. So that's why they're here this year. Okay. And are there going to be any big names speaking at this summit? Yes. They have become a important stopping point for Republican presidential candidates so Donald Trump will be here, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Asa Hutchinson. Uh, those are the ones that come to mind. Robert Kennedy Jr., even though he's a Democrat, he was going to speak there, but uh, I think he pulled out. Interesting. And I'm curious, Mayor, does the Moms for Liberty, do they have a big following in Philly? They definitely have a big following in Southeast Pennsylvania. In fact, Pennsylvania is their second biggest state as far as having local chapters after Florida. In Philly, it's a little unclear. I did talk to someone who is part of the chapter here. So they have at least one member, but I'm not sure how many actual Philadelphia residents would consider themselves to be uh, members of the group. It's, I, I would guess it's a very small number. And I've seen reports about uh, that some groups are protesting that they'll even be in the city. Why is that? Yeah, there have been a lot of protests. There have been calls from elected officials and other people for the Marriott Hotel to not host the summit. There's a museum that is uh, hosting an event and they've gotten criticism from historians and, and others. ACT UP, anti-censorship groups, civil rights groups have been doing protests and will be doing protests. There's going to be a lot of activity then, um, during this uh, summit, which runs through Sunday, I believe. Tom, I want to bring you into the conversation. It's now been a week since the temporary lanes on I-95 have reopened. Have you driven on the roadway in the past week? Um, yes, actually, on the first day. Oh, you were, the, you were out there on the first? <laughs> I was one of the first on the southbound side because I covered it and you had to, you had to like park on the, on the southbound side, you know, 
you know, directed by state police where all the media covering it and guests too. So, you know, I, it was very weird because it was totally empty and, Mm. you know, there were no potholes, right? There were no, (laughs) it was smooth, smooth smooth and untrammeled, no traffic. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. I drove on the northbound side on Saturday evening. And at the time there weren't a lot of cars on the road. So it was a nice experience. And yeah, I, I think the crews did a good job. They did. It's it's pretty, pretty amazing accomplishment, although they were helped by a lot of factors, which I can get into. But, you know, engineers said, I, I you know, to me, it's not easy, but, you know, that it's really not that hard to do as a project. And the workers just really went all out 24-7. Money was no object. The Fed said, you know, we're going to reimburse or pay for everything. And there were, you know, the governor's was, you know, prominent front and center, you know, cheering everyone on and cutting all the red tape you normally have with projects. So, you know, it was it was a smart idea, really, to do it in a two step process, because by all accounts, Rebuilding the bridge permanently, the permanent version structure, of the new bridge, yeah, mm-hmm. structure, thank mm-hmm. you, will, you know, be a lot more complicated. But this sure. way people can start, uh, you know, the traffic can flow and that'll help out in a lot of ways, least, not least of which is economically because of trucking, you know, and, and deliveries mm-hmm. on that corridor. Mayor, have you driven on 95? Yeah, I I just happened to be coming down from New York on Sunday afternoon, and I was struck. We were like, oh, we're getting there, we're getting there, get out your cameras. And then we were mm-hmm. over it in like 10 <laughs> seconds. I was like, is that <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah. the same thing the I same thought, here. and I took my camera out too. It's only 105 feet long, you know, for all, I mean, what a problem those 105 feet cost. Right. Okay, so do we have any sense of when we will get the permanent structure or when they're going to start that construction? Well, no, not yet, officially. Uh, It's hard to say because, first off, uh, and this hasn't been disclosed yet, PennDOT has to assess. uh, One of the concrete abutments got hit by the truck that that crashed and, and burst into flame. So that might need to be replaced, and that takes longer to replace those giant concrete pillars. So uh, that might be a complication. And they're they're just not saying right now, but except months, it'll be months. But it could be two months, or who knows? Months covers a lot, a lot of time. And um, the government, the administration, has been pretty, uh, pretty focused throughout in managing expectations like you know they didn't until it was almost certainty they didn't say yes we're going to temporarily open the road within a week or two weeks they uh, they made sure people wouldn't get their hopes up and then be disappointed so the right. same I, the same thing is playing out here while pendout works on the plans they're not really saying anything about time I want to talk about Governor Josh Shapiro's response to all of this. This is probably one of his like first major events while being in office. How would you grade his performance in handling this, Tom? Mm. I I mean, 
I would have to say A, A minus if I was being nasty, because he's done a, a really great job. And, and perhaps it's, uh, you know, he's provided a good contrast, intentionally or not, to some of the political leaders who are kind of like in this region, maybe less optimistic and less, you know, more beaten down by all the problems we have, seemingly. I'm thinking about our mayor and, you know, who can blame, it's a brutal job, who can blame him in a lot of ways. But he was, he, he was a contrast to that. We're getting this done. He was almost like kind of levitating. He was like a cheerleader. And a cheerleader. Yeah, for sure. His energy was up. Oh, and Yeah. And I think that's an underappreciated part of, uh, of being a political leader. And it's kind of refreshing after, well, you know, the former president, and his insult comedy, you know, form of governing, or, you know, oh, geez, the government, it's so hard to get all these things done. You know, there's all this red tape, and we have to do all these studies and debates. There really wasn't any in this case. There was just like, hey, this is I-95. We got to do it as quickly as we can. There was no hand-wringing and all that. Yeah, I'd have to say uh, Shapiro did well. I mean, he didn't, um, that I know of, pour any cement or like, you know, put down the dirt, the aggregate for the temporary lanes to go over. But he was there like spending a lot of time with the workers and, you know, popping in on businesses in the neighborhood and stuff. I think I'm told he had Cajun wings at Curran's Irish Inn. So anyway. I'm going on here a little bit, but I think he did, I think he did well. I don't know about letter grade, but just because it was just pretty bracing for what we've seen lately in terms of mm. um, of a politician, you know, projecting that like, yeah, this is a bad problem, but we're fi- we're going to do it. We're going to get together. And it, I don't know. There's something to there's something that got people jazzed or pumped up, uh, you know feeling good. For sure. I was struck by a couple of things. One is that this was like the perfect crisis for Shapiro because it let him champion union workers and yeah. focus on mm. focus on the Philly area and the collar counties, which are like his home base. Mm-hmm. So, and it's his, and he's sort of, this is sort of his personality. He's sort of like a, we can do it kind of guy. So this was like tailor made for him. The other mm-hmm. interesting thing is the contrast with Chris Christie who is known for best known for causing a traffic jam or being associated with people who caused a major traffic jam? So this is like the guy who who opens <laughs> up the highway rather than yeah. blocking it. Yeah, so, that's a great you know, that's point, Mar. About about Christie. Sorry, go ahead. And for those that don't know, uh, we're referring to former governor, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's looking down the line. You know, if if uh, Shapiro runs for president someday, he. He will present a, a rather different uh, profile on transportation uh, issues, or at least the image there. So it was interesting how he this played well into his strengths, mm-hmm. this, this whole incident. Well said. It, it structurally, it doesn't hurt that Pennsylvania has 19 electoral votes. We're going to have probably another close presidential election next year, and uh, President Biden who practically lives in, has practically lived in Philadelphia before he became president. Remember when he touted that 
the first lady is a Philly girl. A Philly girl. But people are like, yeah. no, she's from the she's from, from the Burbs. She's from the Burbs. She <laughs> is from the Burbs. Not that there's anything wrong. I'm a, I'm like half Delco girl. So, I, you know, shout out to Delco. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like uh, he needs us. Democratic power center. And that definitely doesn't hurt in terms of getting all all the help from Washington that you could possibly get. Like, hey, we need this. They're going to be on it. Well, we'll definitely keep our eye out on the updates to the permanent structure and for more on that story. Before we go, I wanted to take some time to honor the life of Yeho Bostic. He played bass for the local band Interminable. And you may have heard me say Interminable in the show credits. That's the band who created the CityCast Philly theme music. And Yeho passed away last week due to complications with cancer. From what I read online and heard from other Philly musicians and bandmates, Yeho loved to be creative. Not only was he a musician, he also was a photographer, a documentarian, a dancer, a great talker, and loved Philly. He will truly be missed. Yeho, thanks for all you did for CityCast Philly. Here's a musical tribute from band member Marty called Fly Guy. Tom Fitzgerald, transportation reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thank you so much. And Mayor Rindy, investigative reporter at Billy Penn. Thank you both so much for joining me this week on CityCast Philly. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's time for the tip of the week, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. Earlier this month, the CityCast Philly team put together a bunch of summer entertainment guides so you can enjoy the summer in the city. We came up with a list of music festivals, free stuff to do, how to enjoy a Phillies game, and dog-friendly events. If you want to catch up on these summer entertainment guides, check out our website, philly.citycast.fm. And sign up for our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. If you have a tip of the week, we'd love to hear from you too. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Laura Benchoff. Our producers are Abby Fritz and Lizzie Goldsmith. Our Hey Philly newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. And our host is me, Trinaynery. Music is by Philly's own Interminable, with additional music from All the Komodos and James Weldon. If you enjoy this week of episodes, please tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend and be safe, y'all. Bye. Bye.